blanks for the message today. It'll help you kind of uh, stay focused with me this morning and also will give you something to take home with you today. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have today to share the word of the Lord. Father, I just pray, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. All for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, this morning I'm using for my subject four things that will never happen. Four things that will never happen. You know, there are some things that always happen, uh, like death and taxes. And there are some, uh, some things that usually happen, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then there are some things that seldom happen, you know, um, like a husband bringing home flowers to his wife. <laughs> or a wife meeting her hubby at the door in something she bought from Victoria's Secret. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about four things that will never happen. Let me suggest, first of all, that you will never outlove God. You will never outlove God. No matter how hard you try, outloving God will never happen. No matter how much you think that you love God, He will outlove you every single time. Let me suggest two things about the love of God this morning. First of all, let me suggest that his love is, is unconditional. Now, man tends to love those who love him. You know, his parents, his wife, his kids, his best friends, his dog. Man tends to love those that, that, that can help him out in some way. You know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Man says, I love you because. Man's love is always about the, about the because. I, I love you because, because you're cute. I love you because you're nice to me. I love you because you're in my family. <laughs> I love you because, because it's beneficial to me. Because of that, I, I love you. Man's love is all about the because. Man says, I love you because. God says, I love you, period. Amen. Uh, God says, I love you, Period. God says, I love you whether you love me or not. In fact, God says it is absolutely impossible for me not to love you because I am love. Romans 5 and 8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is Unconditional. It's, it's not based upon our actions. Uh, oh, it's not based upon who we are. It's not based upon what we have done. God, God's love is based solely upon who He is. God is love. Amen. Amen. Not only is His love unconditional, but also His love is unfailing. Amen. Now, some husbands stop loving their wives if they burn the toast. Or if they gain 10 pounds. 
Some friends stop loving their friend when their friend gets a promotion at work or somehow gets ahead of them in life. I had a friend one time. I thought he was my friend. I thought we were rather close. But I had a friend to turn on me one time when I was invited to pastor the church that he wanted to pastor. A church three times larger than either of our churches. Man's love seems to fail on a regular basis and for a host of different reasons. God's love, on the other hand, is an unfailing love. Let me tell you this morning, there is absolutely nothing that you can do that will stop God from loving you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8 says love. Now this word translated as love here in 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 is the Greek word agape. And agape, that kind of love, that means it is, the, it is that God kind and God quality of love. And what is it that Paul says about this God kind and, and God quality of love? 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, love never fails. Oh, man's love fails on a regular basis. Man's love fails for, for, for very uh, seemingly little insignificant things. But that agape, that God kind and God quality of love. God's love never fails. How often does God's love fail? How many times does God's love fail? Love never fails. I'm talking about four things this morning that will never, never, ever happen. You will never outlove. God. The second thing that will never happen this morning, you will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. Listen, listen, for you, you could give to God 100% of everything that you have, and you will still not be able to outgive God. Because you see what we have to give God, our time and our talent and our treasure, yet that pales in comparison to what he has already given us, his one and only son. What we have to give God is nothing in comparison to what he has already, here's what he has already given it. But here's what I have learned. Man tends to give God his leftovers. God, if there's any money left over after I pay all of my bills and I've gone to Starbucks and I've gone out to eat and I, and I bought me the latest and greatest outfit, God, God, if there's any money left over, I'll, I'll give some of it to you. Leftovers. God, if I can, if I can squeeze you in today, I'm really, really busy, God. I, I got a lot of important things to do, man. I, I mean, I'm really important, God. So, but, but God, I, I make you a deal. If I could squeeze you in today, I'll give you some of my time. Leftovers. Uh, God, if I'm, if I'm not totally exhausted after giving all of my talent to my boss and to my job, uh, God, I, I might volunteer to teach that class. I, I might volunteer to drive that van. I, I might volunteer to serve on that committee. I, I might give you some of my, some of my talent. God, if I can, if I can just 
you know, if I'm just not too tired. Man gives leftovers. God gives his best. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He what? Oh, what did he give? He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but would have everlasting life. Here's what I've learned. Man wants more in return than he gives. You see, before man commits to give, he first asks the question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's the return on my investment? Man wants more in return than he gives. On the other hand, God gives back more than he asked for. Luke 6 and 38, give, and it will, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you. Your gift will what? God says give and you're going to receive. God says your gift is going to return to you, God. How is it going to return to me? Well, his word says in full, press down, shake it together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God gives back more than he asks for. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 through 12 says that that God offers two things to faithful tithers. He, he offers supernatural provision and He offers supernatural protection. Yes. Yes. Hear me this morning. You will never outgive God. He will always give back more than He asked for. Yes. Yes. Three things I believe about giving. I've given them to you before, but you need to hear them again. Three things that I've come to believe about giving. Number one this morning, I believe that if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. If God knows that he can get it through you, then God will get it to you. Second thing I've learned about giving is if you will become a giver, he will always make sure you have something to give. If you'll become generous with God, if you will become a giver, God will always make sure that you've got something in your hand to give. And the third thing I've learned about giving is that, that God will never give you more until you become generous with what you already have. Until you become generous with what you already have, God will not give it to you. But he'll put that in the hands of someone who will be generous. Friend, I've lived by these principles now for over 35 years. I'm not a novice in this area. I have proven God in this area over and over and over again. We're talking about four things that will never happen this morning. You will never outlove God. You will never outgive God. Number three, you will never outsmart God. Now, man seems to think that he can outsmart God. He thinks that his ideas, he thinks that his ways of doing things are better than God's ways. Well, how else would you explain the fact that man continually disregards and disobeys God's specific instructions? 
1 Samuel chapter 15 illustrates my point perfectly this morning. And the first thing that we see in this this chapter is we see the command. And it's found in verse number 3. God tells Saul to totally destroy Israel's enemy. God tells Saul to take them out. God says take them out, all of them, lock, stock, and barrel. God says don't spare even one of them. Don't spare a person. Don't spare a thing. God said don't even spare the animals. Verse 9 tells us about the compromise. Saul does part of what God tells him to do. Saul begins to think to himself, I, I, could, I could sure use so, those animals. I could sure use those, those, those animals. And so he began to try and outsmart God. He said, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. I'll destroy some of the animals. I'll, I'll take the weak ones. I'll take the sick ones. I'll take the scraggly ones. And I'll destroy them. And it'll appear to everybody that I have done what God has told me to do. God's not going to see me. God's not going to know any better. And I'm going to keep the best of the flock and the best of the herd for myself. I can really use those animals. Have you ever tried to outsmart God? I'll pay my regular tithe, but I won't on my bonus. Nobody will know the difference. Well, I know, I know I shouldn't be on this website, but, but it's not like I'm ever going to get on it again. I know I shouldn't be participating in this particular activity, but, but I'm out of town. I'm away from my family. I'm away from my church. Nobody's going to even be the wiser. And besides, I'm just curious. That's all. And it's only going to be once. The third thing I see in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is the consequences. And the consequences are found in verses 14 through 35. And how many understand that there are always consequences to every compromise? Friend, you will never outsmart God. The Bible says that God sees all and God knows all. Luke chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Jesus said the time is coming when everything that is covered up is going to be revealed and, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Jesus said whatever you have said in the dark is going to be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors is going to be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Talking about four things that will never happen. Friend, you will never outsmart God. No matter how clever you are, no matter how careful you are, no matter how cautious you are, no matter how creative you are. When Samuel called Saul out on his compromise, Saul lied. He said, I did exactly what God commanded me. He said, I destroyed all of Israel's uh, uh, enemies. Oh, I even destroyed the sheep and the cattle just as I was commanded to do. I did everything I was supposed to do. Samuel said to Saul, well, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? You say you destroyed all the sheep, but I hear the bad. What is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Oh, what is this lowing of the cattle which I'm hearing in my ear? Friend, we are literal fools if we think that we can outsmart God. 
And we are just wasting our breath when we try to talk our way out of the compromises that we have made. Friend, you will never outsmart God. Let me suggest one more thing that will never happen. Friend, you will never outrun God. Have you ever tried to run from God? Maybe God was pursuing you for salvation. And yet everywhere you turn, God was there. You couldn't get away from Him, man. Oh, there's God reaching out to you, pursuing your soul. Everywhere you turn, there was a preacher. You never watch Christian television, but every time you turn it on, there was a preacher preaching at you. And his big old bony finger was pointing right at you. Everywhere you turned, there was a preacher. Everywhere you turned, there was a person or, or there was a prompting, nipping, 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 nipping at your heels. Perhaps God placed a specific call on your life. But you ran from the call. When we think about someone running from God, immediately our mind goes to Jonah, right? We all should be very familiar with his story. There's three, three things that I want to call your attention to you, uh, to us today. Three things that... I would like for us to take away from this familiar story of Jonah. And the first thing I want, us to, I want us to see here is that God has an assignment for you. God has an assignment for you. There is a call on your life. I didn't say God called you to be a preacher. I didn't say God called you to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist. I said God has a call on every person's life. Now God's call for me is different than God's call for you, but God has an assignment. God has a call on all of our lives. His assignment or call for you might be as simple. It's not simple, but definitely not simple, but it could simply be to be a wife and a mother. What greater call than to be a wife and a mother? God's call on your life might be his, to be His representative in the workplace. Now my staff likes to do outreaches. Now I'm cool with outreaches. Outreaches have their place. But listen, what actually should be taking place and what is most effective is relationship evangelism. Not people going and doing witnessing, but people being a witness. Jesus said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be, say be. He didn't say you're going to go door-to-door witnessing. He said, you're going to be a witness. Am I against door-to-door witnessing? Not necessarily. But do I believe that's what it's all about? No, that's not what it's all about. What it's all about is being a witness in the workplace. 
At Walmart when you're in line. At Albertsons when you're in line. Amen. At your school when you're there with checking out your kids. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, the people that God has placed in your life, being a witness. Not people going and doing witnessing, but people being a witness in their everyday lives. People reaching people. Not professional clergy reaching people. Sheep bear sheep. So wherever God has placed you, you are not there just to make a living. You need to make a living there while you're there. You need to do good. But you're not just there to make a living. You are there because God has specifically placed you there to be a light in a dark place. He has specifically placed you where you are in order to be a witness for Christ. Oh, I would sure like to take have Pastor Steve and a group of people come to my workplace and do a great outreach there. Well, that's okay and that's good. But let me tell you something better than Pastor Steve taking a bunch of people that they've never met before. What is better than that is for them to see your life every single day. Seeing that you are a light in a dark place. Seeing there's something different about you. Seeing that you have a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got clout with Him that nobody coming and knocking on your door or somebody coming one-on-one is ever going to have. You You need to develop that relationship and God needs to use you right where you are. Now God's assignment for Jonah was Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. The second part of this point is The first part is God has an assignment for you. The second part of this is you might not like the assignment. God had an assignment for Jonah, Nineveh. But Jonah didn't like God's assignment. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. God, tell me anywhere but Nineveh. Now... If you know a little bit about the history of Nineveh, you will understand a little bit better as to why Jonah didn't like his assignment. History tells us that the people of Nineveh were very brutal, wicked, merciless people. In times of war, the Ninevites would take captives And they wouldn't just take them and lock them up, but they would torture them. But not only would they torture them, but they would torture them beyond human imagination. These were cruel, heartless people. They inflicted physical pain beyond description. They they inflicted mental anguish beyond comprehension on their enemies like no other people. Because of that, they were a hated people. And just Jonah that didn't that had a distaste for these people. They were a hated people. Perhaps, perhaps Jonah thought they were beyond redemption. Perhaps Jonah thought in his mind and in his heart they were unworthy of salvation. Actually, that's what it was all about, is that is that he detested them so much and he knew that if he went, that God would relent, they would repent, God would relent, and they would be saved. And he didn't want them saved. 
reason why some of you don't invite some people to church. You're afraid they might get saved and not go to, not go to hell. I don't know, but perhaps Jonah might have had friends or family that had been tortured by these people. God, God, do you want me to go where? Jonah didn't like his assignment. and Maybe you don't like your assignment today. Maybe God has told you to forgive somebody and you don't want to forgive them because they don't deserve it. Maybe God has told you to give something, but you don't want to. I'll give anything else, God, but I don't want to give this. Maybe God has told you to do something. God, I don't want to do that. I'll do anything. Anything anything else, God, just give me another assignment. Oh, God has an assignment. I don't like the assignment God has given me. The first lesson I want us to learn from the story of Jonah is God has an assignment for you, but you may not like the assignment. Second thing I take away from the story of Jonah is you have a choice. God always gives you a choice. You can choose to obey or you can choose to disobey. You can do what God has told you to do. You can go where God has told you to go. You can give what God has told you to give. Or you can try and outrun God. You can run from His calling. You can run from His commands. Good luck. Jonah had a choice to make. He could either go where God told him to go and do what God told him to do or he could run from God. And Jonah chose to try and outrun God. And so instead of going to Nineveh, the Bible says that he boarded a ship and headed towards Tarshish. That is in the absolute opposite direction of Nineveh where God told him to go. The point I'm making right now is you have a choice. Second part of this point is you're going to have to live with your choice. You've got a choice to make this morning and you can make your choice. Once you've made your choice, you're going to have to live with the choice that you make. And friend, when we choose to disobey God, disobedience has consequences. No, no, God will not make us do His will. He won't make us obey His commands. And friends, Satan will always make sure that there's a boat ready for us to board like he did with Jonah and head in the absolute opposite direction of God's call or God's command for us. Yeah, God will always allow us to choose our own direction and He'll always give us a choice. But on the other hand, we're going to have to live with the consequences of our choices. Jonah 1 and 4 says that then the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship nearly broke in half. Friend, disobedience always brings on God's discipline. Oh, maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow and maybe not next week. But listen, friend, eventually we are going to reap the consequences of our disobedience. And here's what's sad. The consequences don't just affect us. They affect everybody around us. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 5 said that all the sailors were afraid. The storm that God sent to correct Jonah, 
those who were with him were affected as well. Listen to me, people. If you try and outrun God, you, you won't just hurt yourself. You're going to hurt those closest to you. Oh, yes, you have a choice. But never forget, you will have to live with your choice. And let me suggest one more thing that we need to learn from the story of Jonah. The third thing we can learn from the story is it's not too late to change your mind. It's not too late to change your mind. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The what? The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time and Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Even though Jonah initially disobeyed God, he eventually obeyed God and went. Oh, I love this about God. I love this. I love this. Jonah's prior disobedience did not disqualify him from God's call. That's great news this morning. You don't have to bat a thousand with God. Maybe you have run from God's call in the past. And maybe you are thinking it's too late for me now. Oh, I've blown it and there's absolutely nothing I can do now. God can never use me now. But no, 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 it's not too late this morning. It's not too late. You can change your mind today. You can get off of the boat that you are on. And you can get on the boat you're supposed to be on. The good news is it's not too late to change your mind. The bad news is you might not enjoy the process. You might not enjoy the process. You see, God can indeed take you from where you are now to the place where He wants you to be. God can take you from the place where you've gone on your own to the place where He initially called you to be. God can, God can do that. But hear me this morning, it just might be a bumpy ride. He might use some pretty amazing and unusual circumstances and vehicles along the way. For Jonah, God used a storm. For Jonah, God used a huge fish where Jonah spent three days and three nights with seaweed wrapped all around him. Oh, before God got Jonah from where he was to where he wanted him to be, Jonah had to wash wash whale vomit off of him before he totally got turned around. When God begins to take us from where we've gone on our own to that place where He initially called us to go, sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. I said sometimes things have to get worse before they can get better. But oh friend, if we will be willing to hold on, God, amen, He may take us on the ride of our life, but I want to tell you this morning, it will be worth it when God gets us there. We get the worship team back in place this morning. Think about this this morning. Even though Jonah repented, he still had to spend three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Why? Because even though we repent, and even though God forgives us, we still have to reap from the seeds we have sown. 
Let me say this in closing this morning. If you're thinking about running from God's call or His commands, think again. Because you will never outrun God. And if you are indeed running from God's call or from God's commands today, stop running. Stop running. Stop. He's going to catch you anyway. Stop running. Don't make him send a storm into your life. Spare yourself the storm. You're thinking about getting on the boat. You're thinking about going in the opposite direction. You're thinking about it. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. Don't. You can't outrun God. Spare yourself. Spare yourself a storm. Don't make God send a storm in your life to turn you around. Spare yourself the three days and three nights in the belly of the fish or whatever it is that God has planned for you to get you from where you are to where He wants you to be. As I said when I began the message this morning, there's some things that always happen. There's some things that usually happen. There's some things that seldom happen. But friend, you can write it down in your little book. You can take it to the bank. There are four things that will never happen. You will never outlove God. I don't care how much you think you love God. You'll never outlove God. It's not even in your capacity. You will never outgive God. I don't care if you give God everything you had. You don't have the same currency to give with that He does. Because God gave His one only son. And friend, you'll never, you'll never outsmart God. Oh, surely God didn't mean me to do it that way. Oh, surely. Oh, well, that's Old Testament. Well, that's, well, the, well that was, uh, you'll never outsmart God. And friend, you'll never, ever outrun God. I don't care if you've been in the Olympics. I don't care if you've got a gold medal around your, around your neck today. You'll never outrun God. See, what we don't know is we think that He's nipping at our heels. Well, He is nipping at our heels, and He's right beside us, and He's out there waiting on us. So He's going to get us, whether He catches up to us, or whether He waits over here. You just run right into it. You're not going to outrun. God, would you stand with me this morning? Father, I just pray today, Lord, that you will take the word that has been shared to your people today. I don't know what the needs are here today, God. I don't know what you want to do in this service today, but God, I know that you, somebody is here today by divine appointment. Somebody is here today. Maybe somebody's been running from God and they ran right into your arms right here today. Right here in this message today, they've run right into you today. I'm going to go right to point number four this morning. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. If you're in this room today and you've been running from God, 
It doesn't matter whether you're running from God's call or you're running from one of God's commandments. But you're here today and you're trying to outrun God. And you recognize and realize today that in trying to outrun God this morning, you've been ambushed. God has ambushed you today. God has run you right into here today and run you right into His arms. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking about. Pastor, Pastor, I've been trying to outrun God. I'm going to stop running today. I'm going to get off of the boat that I've been on that's going away from God. I'm going to get on the boat that's headed to God. I'm going to run towards God. I've been running away from God. But today, from this moment on, I'm going to run towards Him. If that's you all over this room, would you lift your hand? God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. How many others this morning? I've been running from God. I've been trying to run from God. But God is... He has chased me right into here today and ambushed me and run me right into His arms. And I'm glad. Anyone else this morning? I've been running from God. I've been running from God today. I'm going to get off of the boat that's going away from God, get on the boat that's going towards Him. His will in my life. Anyone else join this one? All right, the one that lifted their hand, would you come please? Just come this morning, would you? I want someone to pray with you this morning. Would you come, please? Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Maybe you think you're out giving God. Maybe you think, my God just asked too much for me. That tithe, that's just too much. I can't do that. What am I going to get out of it? I can't out. I'm giving enough. I'm already out giving. God gave His one and only Son. Besides that, God gives back more than He asks for. God says, yeah, I want you to give it. But God says, then once you have obeyed me and given it, then God says, I'm going to give it back to you. But I'm not going to give back to you what you gave to me. I'm going to give it back to you with interest. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. God says, I'm going to give it back to you with interest. God says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. And I'm going to pour out of your on you the blessing that you'll not even have room to receive it. Maybe you're trying to outsmart God. Well, God, yeah, that sounds good, but why don't we do it this way? You're not going to outsmart God. I want everyone to come to the front this morning. We're early. I want us to come. We're going to spend some time one-on-one with God. Everybody, come and please. If God has touched you today, if God has spoken to you in this word today, without me having to lead you or ask you to raise your hand or whatever. You know what you need to do this morning. You know what you need to talk about with God. I want you to do that. We're going to do that for a few moments and we'll worship one-on-one with God right now. Just you and God. Just you and God. Just you and God. Just you and God right now. Just you and God.
right, when you're, when you're ready, when you're ready, let's sing. When you're ready, let's sing. Thank you. in our hearts, Father. And Lord, if any of us are running from your calling, running 
from an area of obedience in our life that we know you're calling.